For the moments we have in this service, we go to Philippians chapter 2. We've been talking about Jesus. We've talked about the deity of Jesus. And last week we talked about the humanity of Jesus. This week the Holy Spirit led me to talk about the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. Father, bless us today in your word. Illuminate our hearts. Give us your help in this message. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. A verse that you will know. Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. Which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind here means to hold a view or to have an attitude like Jesus' attitude in this place, which was humility, of course. Romans chapter 12, another verse that you will remember. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service in light of all that God has done through his son to die for our sins to redeem us it is reasonable that we surrender all to him verse 2 and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed how are we going to be transformed it tells us by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God The mind here is the psychological faculty of understanding, the reasoning and deciding. It's it's the way we think. It's the attitude that we have. 1 Corinthians 2.16, Paul quotes out of Isaiah chapter 40, and then he adds this. He says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? And then Paul says this, but we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is, it means to see things. To evaluate things from God's perspective. To to adopt his values. To love what he loves and to hate what he hates. This gospel that we proclaim week after week is a gospel that changes people. It's a, it's a changing God. It's a, it's a transformative gospel. It's the power that changes. God has, has allowed his power to reside in the gospel. It is the power. It is the power to salvation. It's the power to deliverance. It's the power to preservation. It not only transforms Our lives, it transforms the way we see life, the way we evaluate life. Things change when we get saved. In our modern world of technology, I think you may agree that we are bombarded daily with a flood, a flood, a deluge of information. Most of this information is not biblical. Most of the information is not not beneficial to you as a person. And most of it is actually detrimental to a healthy walk with the Lord. I would say, not to be pessimistic, but to be just truthful. 
that we have a generation that in many ways has had their minds corrupted with, with ungodly information, especially with the proliferation of information at our fingertips through media and especially through the internet. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 2 that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. It says he, he, the, it says the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. That means this. It means there is an unseen influence that is pressuring mankind and is seeking to turn men away from God. There's a tremendous spiritual warfare. There's an information warfare that's going on for the hearts and minds of this entire planet. And the stakes are so high. The stakes are eternity. The stakes are where we're going to spend eternity. Jesus said in his prophetic teaching, he's sitting on the Mount of Olives looking back toward Jerusalem and he begins to teach about the last days. He said this, he said that one of the characteristics that would characterize the world right before his return and his second coming would be, the, would have to do with the uh, similar characteristics as the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. One of those characteristics had to do with what I find in Genesis 6 and verse 5. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great. In the earth, notice this, and every intent of his thoughts, his thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Even the prophets, the minor prophets, said that knowledge would increase in the coming, in the last days. I think that in referring to Noah's day, he, Satan knew that if he could corrupt the hearts and the minds of a generation, he could destroy a generation. And we have to say that he did a good job because only eight people made it out of that world. How many were there? I don't know. Some scholars say millions. Jesus said this, from within, out of the heart, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, and murders. See, our minds are vitally important. Understand this, young men and women, and all of us. Our minds are very important, and we, we need to protect our hearts. Because in the Bible, you may be surprised to know, the Bible doesn't talk about the mind very much. The Bible talks about the heart. Not the mind, not the, not the brain, that is, but the heart. Because the heart in the Scripture is the center of our thoughts. It's the center of our desires, our emotions, not our brain. In Scripture, the heart is the inner self. The heart is where we think. It's where we feel. It's where we decide. See, the heart is much broader than our modern meaning, just uh, of the pumping muscle. One scholar said the heart is that which is central to the person. Nearly all references to the heart in the Bible refer to some aspect of personality. The Bible's clear. The Bible said we need to guard our hearts for out of it are the issues of life. Paul indicated that there's certain information that we don't need to take in. You remember in Romans 16 and 19, be excellent in what is good and innocent from evil. I don't need to read all the corrupt things in the world to know that they are corrupt. I need to inundate myself with that which is lovely and that which is good and that which is noble and that which is truthful. We are told, Jesus said, that we need to love God with our minds. 
We're told to not have a panic mind, that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. That's a sober mind. That's a controlled mind. That's a mind that's not full of fear, cowardice, or disorder, or confusion. When we look into the Gospels, we see who Jesus is. We see what he taught. We look at what he did. We know that in the Gospels, he's our promised Messiah. He's our Redeemer. He's our sin bearer, absolutely. But you know what he also is? He's also our example. And I said to you that Christ was God. He is deity. But Christ was also a man. But also Christ, as a man, he had a mind. As a man, he had a mind just like we have a mind here. And I want you to know as I look in the word of God, Jesus had an extraordinary mind. And I want to talk about that today. The Lord values our mind. And if we're going to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, if we're going to love God properly as his followers, we have to understand what the Bible says about our mind, about our heart. And to do that, we look at Jesus and we see the mind of Christ. We see how Jesus thought quickly because our time is limited. First of all, I want you to look with me and consider this, the intellectual capacity of Jesus' mind. Extraordinary, extraordinary, I have to say. He had a mind that was unfettered. Jesus had a mind that was unhindered. We see it even in his childhood. The intellectual capability of Jesus in childhood. Jesus as a child had an amazing grasp of the truth of the word of God. Even as a child. Luke 2 says it this in verse 40. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. Notice, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. The, the Calvinistic scholar, which we're not Calvinistic, but John Calvin had a wonderful comment. I'd like to read it to you. And I quote, he said of this verse, the child grew and was invigorated in spirit. These words show that the endowment of his mind grew with age. Hence, we infer that the progress or advancement relates to his human nature for the divine nature could receive no increase. What an insight that as a man, he had to grow in knowledge. He had to gain wisdom just like we gain wisdom. In, in this same chapter, verse 47 reads like this. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answer. Here is a picture of Jesus at 12 years of age. This is a commentary on the verse before. Here's showing how that age by age, year by year, he grew in wisdom. And here he is sitting before the religious teachers. He's discussing spiritual matters with amazing comprehension in his life. And then in the same chapter, in verse 52, we have this theme of growing in wisdom. It says in verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and with favor with God and favor with man. He had this knowledge, but he had this wisdom. He knew how to apply it in a common sense way. He was the perfect man. In other words, Jesus could take wisdom and he applied it perfectly to every part of life. And the Bible says that all the pe- he had favor with all the people, all the people up until he gave his first sermon. And that was a dud, wasn't it? They tried to throw him out of town. 
But in Nazareth, he had favor with all the people. He was highly regarded as a, because of his godly life and because of his wise conduct. He was filled with wisdom. Now, there's another commentator. He's a Lutheran commentator, and this is gold. Come on, you want some spiritual gold today? R.C. Linsky was a great Lutheran commentator, an expert in Greek. He has a comment on this. That is so awesome, it makes me want to shout. Could I read it to you today? On this thought of Jesus grow in childhood, the intellectual capacity of Jesus to grow in his mind. We see Jesus' mind. We see it developing in Scripture. And Mr. Linsky comments. Here's what he said, and I quote. He says, it is impossible for us to penetrate the mystery of this development in Jesus. Body and soul. Notice, untouched by sin. Unchecked. Unretarded. By any result of sin. His mind and his soul absorbing the wisdom of God as a bud drinks in the sunshine and expands. His mind and his soul, which were truly human indeed, grew in strength and in range of wisdom, but in perfection and and, and in power beyond anything that is possible for sinful mortals now listen to this part his development was absolutely normal notice that what an insight his development jesus development was absolutely more uh, normal that of all others is to a great degree abnormal meaning this When we look at Jesus, we see how God wanted us to be in Adam before Adam sinned. We see the the capability that we could have had, but because sin has damaged us. But aren't you glad God sent us his son to not only give us a redeemer, to not only give us a savior, but to give us an example of where we're headed when we're fully redeemed. What a brilliant insight. Jesus' growth was what God intended For every human being. But sin has retarded our thoughts. Damaged our development. I thought this week, how many children in our own nation? Think about this. Think about what sin has done. We have more information at our fingertips. I mean, we have libraries at our fingertips. We have knowledge, amazing, wonderful, good knowledge at our fingertips. And why is it that so many children across this land have been robbed of proper intellectual increase in their lives. It's not because information is not available. It's because sin has retarded our development. I heard even this week that in Baltimore, Maryland, out of five schools, five schools, only a few, only a little handful of kids could read and do math at grade level. Five schools. How is that possible? That's what sin does to the human race. Do you know that we were created in the image of God? Every one of you were created in the image of God. Every little child, this little classroom is full today. I'm so grateful. Every little child out here is created in the image of God. You know what the image of God means? The traditional view is this. You know, God said, let us make man in our image. Genesis 1.26 means that that we have a moral, ethical, intellectual ability about our lives. But a more recent view of the Hebrew language is this, that, that let us make man our image. Let us make man our image. Meaning that when God created man, he created us in some way to reflect his glory to the world. 
that we are his children and there ought to be something of God's glory and God's radiance in us. And we're actually being recreated in Christ Jesus, are we not? According to Ephesians, recreated in that knowledge in ancient times, in ancient times, a great ruler would put, have statues and put statues of himself throughout his empire. And when they, they would know that that is where the king rules. And you know what, you know what the world needs to see? Christians all over the world having, saying that's God's child. That's where God rules in their heart and in their, in their lives. The image of God. What amazing things human beings are. Amazing creations. His highest creation. Intellect, reason, personality. The, cap- the capacity to relate, to hear, to speak. And that's why Satan has worked so hard to corrupt the minds of the generation. He wants to stamp out the glory of God. He wants to stamp out Christ's glory to human beings. We weren't created to to serve the enemy. We weren't created to live in sin. We were created to live holy and righteous and blessed lives in, in abundance. That's what sin has done. I thought as we get our new building on my mind, I thought... We need to start a Christian school. I don't know how to start a Christian school. I don't know where we would get the teachers. But I know this. If it is the will of God that we can give some boys and girls a great chance to learn in a great... Listen, you can't learn in an atmosphere of violence. You can't learn in an atmosphere of ignorance. You can't learn in an atmosphere of conflict. Just like a plant only grows in a certain atmosphere, so a child's mind can only develop in a certain atmosphere. We need an atmosphere where Holy Spirit learning can take place. I don't know how it can happen, but I know we can do it in Jesus' name. Wouldn't it be great to have a little elementary school to start out in that wing over there? I know we'll have the facility for it. But let's pray that God would help us to do it. Jesus' intellectual ability in, in, in childhood. In adulthood, we see that he had no sin nature, unfettered. The, 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 the religious leader says, how does this man know letters he's never studied? And the reason is, Jesus' mind could be flooded, unhindered with divine revelation from his father. They were astonished at his teaching. He taught us one who had an authority. Not only were they astounded at what he taught, but how he taught it. Because he was God speaking. Jesus' mind quickly, unfettered, unhindered. Jesus also had an undefiled mind. Jesus' mind was pure. The minds of our generation have been corrupted, damaged, deluded by sin. Jesus' mind, it says in Hebrews, he was undefiled, separate from sinners. How many of our minds we can't even absorb Scripture? Because our minds are so defiled. You, only, you know that only a certain kind of heart and a certain kind of mind can absorb the scripture. Jeremiah said it this way. Thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem. Break up the fallow ground. Do not sow among thorns. Jesus said the ones sown fell among the thorns. When they heard, they go out. But they weren't absorbed. They were choked. Why? So cluttered, so defiled, cares, riches, pleasures, bear no fruit to maturity. A defiled mind repels the word of God, but Jesus' mind, he had no sin nature, 
The angel said, this holy one to be born in you will be the son of God. Jesus had no sin nature, therefore he had no sin. Hebrews says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot, be, who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Do you realize how clouded people's thinking are today? How sinful, how confused people are today? Why is that? Because, because their mind, so say it this way, sin clouds our minds. Demons cloud people's minds. They can't even think correctly. Jesus cast the demons out of a man one day. The Bible said he had a legion of demons. And after the demons were gone, his mind came back. He was sitting. He was clothed. And he was in his right mind. We need some minds cleaned up today. Demonic spirits have habitated pockets of even Christians' minds. They're not, I'm not saying demon-possessed. I'm saying demonized. Strongholds that people have watched things and taken things in. And I want you to know we need the Holy Spirit to renew our minds. We need the Word of God to wash all that away. We need an undefiled mind because we're God's children. Think quickly. Jesus' mind was unfettered. It was it was undefiled, but Jesus' mind was also active. Now, I'm going to go quick here. Jesus, we have an example. Jesus' mind was active. We need active minds. We need minds engaged in the battle. We need minds that are alive and that, and that, that have life to them. Jesus was active. When temptation came, he just didn't take temptation. His mind was activated in the battle. Satan said this, if you are the son of God... If you are the son of God, make these, make these stones bread. Well, I want you to know what the word of God says. we got to resist the enemy. Jesus didn't just sit back and take those false words. He activated his mind and said, Thus says the Lord, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. His mind was active, engaged in the battle in a positive way. He was on the cross Facing really the, almost the same temptation. He saved others. If, if he's the king of Israel, come down. That, that, and then we're going to believe him. This is Satan's voice to those people. He's on the cross. He's there with nails in his hands and his feet. And they're mocking him. If you're the son of God, if you're the king, come down. And then we're going to believe in you. He had to mentally as well as spiritually fight that temptation. Because if he came down, no one could have been saved. Amazing in his wisdom, amazing in his intellectual capacity when they came and tried to capture him and trick him. They said, Who's, does, does you pay taxes? He said, Let give Caesar, what, Caesar what's Caesar's and give God what God. If I remember correctly, after that, they didn't mess with him anymore. He was so smart. Come on, Jesus, we have a smart Savior. Smart Savior. Now, now I'll wind this down. And my time's a little more limited today because of all that we've had in the service. But hear this, the mind of Christ, the way he thought, the way he saw, the way he spoke, the wisdom. He had an unfettered mind. He had an undefiled mind, an active mind, but he also had a practical mind. Jesus didn't just, we're not just talking about intellect here. We're not just talking about a flow of information, but you'll notice that Jesus' thinking was supported by prayer. 
I've noticed that people of prayer will have a keen intellect. I've, known, I've noticed this, that when my thinking is a little confused, after a season of prayer, do you realize that prayer will assist your intellect? Because in prayer, the Holy Spirit will bring the mind of Christ to you. If you're unclear in your thinking, you need to spend time in prayer and you'll be amazed how your decision-making process will become clear. Here's the, here's the question that we need to know. How in the world can we make decisions on a congregation or you can make a decision in your family and yet you haven't prayed about it, yet it waited before the Lord? How arrogant is that? Why do I say that? Because the Son of God did not even make a decision to choose the 12 men that he would choose until he had an all-night prayer. Can I tell you this? As the deacons, as the pastor of this church, our first call is to wait in the presence of God. Praying men. Praying men will have keen intellects to know what to do. It says this of Jesus, and it came to pass that he went out to pray, uh, to the mountain to pray. He continued to pray all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and he chose the twelve who he, called, who he named apostles. Jesus, I, in prayer, God assisted his intellect to know those men to choose. This is a habit of Jesus' life. It says in another place, so he himself often withdrew to the wilderness and he prayed. Could the reason for so much confusion among God's people be that we're relying on our own human intellect and we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to aid our intellect through prayer. Our heart and our mind go together, dear ones. Philippians says this, notice the heart and the mind. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts, say hearts, say mine, and minds through Christ Jesus. See, Jesus' thinking was tempered, not only in prayer, but it was tempered with understanding. It wasn't just knowledge, but it was understanding. It was wisdom. He knew how to apply it. The prophet Isaiah said the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of wisdom and understanding would be upon him. He would be a Messiah who would think thoughts of perfect wisdom. But his wisdom wasn't just, his knowledge wasn't just a flow of knowledge, but it was mixed with compassion. He knew how to minister to people in practical ways. The Bible says in Matthew that he went out to the cities and village and he was teaching them. He was giving them information, but it wasn't just information because if you read on, it says he was healing the sick of diseases and he was moved with compassion. We need knowledge, yes, but we need knowledge with compassion because people need the love of God through our lives and through our church. Jesus spoke with words of such precision because it says he, they bore witness of him the marvel at the gracious words that came out of his mouth. He never misspoke one time. Not one time. I think how many young adults today do not have the wisdom, the practical, practical wisdom. We have a generation raised without the word of God. Raised without knowing they need to pray without the Holy Spirit and, and many without a godly example. And we have a generation that lacks wisdom concerning home and family. They lack wisdom in finances, in relationships, and priorities. Some do not even know how to conduct themselves with manners and decorum. 
But Jesus was a savior of wisdom. You remember this. Where there is godly wisdom, there will be beauty. There will be loveliness. But where there is ungodliness, there will be ugliness and confusion. I looked at something the other day and I thought it, I chuckled. They put the sheet music, music of, it was either Bach or Beethoven. And they put the sheet music of, of Justin Bieber. It was like calculus versus, you know, learning your ABCs. It was pitiful. I can tell you this, where there's godliness, there's wisdom, there's beauty, there's loveliness. Where there's ungodliness, things get uglier, things get stupider. Could I just say, could I be that coarse? He misspoke, I did. I, 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 I misspoke, he doesn't. Look at this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are noble, what are just, pure, whatever things are lovely. There's some things that are not lovely. Just because somebody says, oh, well, that's the way the world's going. I'm not of this world. Why don't we strive for loveliness? Why don't we strive for doing our best and being our best, looking our best, talking our best, giving our best? I'm talking about the mind of Jesus Christ. I close with this. Jesus had an unfettered mind. No sin nature, no sin. Undefiled mind, pure. He never sinned in a thought. Never a thought. Never an evil thought. Never an ugly thought. Never an impure thought. His mind was undefiled. His mind was active. It was engaged. I feel sorry for young people. I really do. That sat and gawk at a screen of little stuff flashing. I had someone tell me one time and I almost started crying. And they said it in a bragging way. And I almost, it was disgusting to me. They said, Pastor, you know what? I've never read a whole book in my entire life. I almost wanted to cry. What a fool. What an imbecile that would brag about such a thing. I would say to the young people in here, read great books. Read your Bible, of course, but read great books. Read great books. It take you to worlds that you maybe never could go. It'll take you to places and to history. We don't know history anymore. We don't even do civics anymore in school. Jesus' mind was active. His mind was practical. I close with this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind, what kind of mind did he have? He had a resolved mind to do the will of God no matter what. He set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem. He had a mind that was willing to be misunderstood. He would teach his disciples that we don't even know what he's talking about. Some of them didn't even know until after he raised from the dead. But Jesus was willing to do his father's will and be misunderstood. I found this, that some of your family members are not even going to understand you. Because you're walking in God's wisdom. You're living by the, by the cross. He had a mind that was willing to face opposition and even suffer to do the will of God. Peter said it this way. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same mind 
For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. A mind that's strong. A mind that's rugged. A mind that says suffering may come, but I'm armed with the mind of Christ. And I can suffer and I will win because Jesus is with me. Jesus had a mind that absorbed the scripture. They were astonished at his teaching at the, at the synagogues when he would hear Torah read. He would just absorb everything. Of course, his mind is not like our minds. Our minds are all of our minds. The greatest mind that ever lived outside of Jesus is still a broken mind. But what a mind he had. Jesus had a mind that was aware of his father's presence. He says, but I, I am with the father. I am with the Father. I am not alone. Where's your mind? We need to be mentally aware of the presence of the Lord. He keeps in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed upon thee. Jesus had a mind of love. He had a mind of compassion. He said, woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs And you pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have. These you ought to have. You ought to have a mind filled with truth. Filled with as much knowledge as you can pack in. But you have to have God's love and God's mercy. Jesus had a mind that we need to emulate. You want a hero? You've got one. His name is Jesus. Let this mind, let this mind be in you. Let us stand. If you just play. I just want to pray for us. Oh, what we have here in this, what we have in the Word of God, it's just amazing, isn't it? These, these preserved words, the words of God, the very word of God, the mind of Christ. Word of God will change your life. Brother, our brother Brad, who I admire so much, back many years ago, maybe eight or ten years ago, at the first of a year, I challenged our congregation to read the Bible through cover to cover. And, and Brad and Glenda served the Lord probably most of their lives. And they loved God and they read scripture, studied scripture. But they'd never done that. Read it cover to cover. Like that. And I just challenged. And I handed out some schedules and things. And the last Sunday of that year, that was January 1, the first Sunday. And I'll never forget it, Brad and Glenda, that the last Sunday of the year. It might have been a week before the last Sunday because y'all got through early. Brad walked up to me, Brother Brad, and he handed me that all those little cards I handed out. And I thought, he said, there, we did it. I thought, I thought, did what? I didn't know what he was handing me. And I looked at it and it was those cards with all those checked off laces. And Brad said, Glenda and I read through the word of God cover to cover this year together. And they testified will never be the same again. Now Brad has, it's so, it's so put a flame in his heart. He's read through many different kinds of translations. And it, 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 Brad, you can testify. There's nothing like the word of God. There's nothing like the scriptures. 
You want to begin to think differently. You want to overcome the depression and negativity and all those unbelieving things. The enemy hates the Word of God. The Word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. Let's be a church of the Word. I don't know what decisions you need to make or what battles you're facing mentally, but I want to pray for you that you'll have the mind of Christ. I know us human beings enough to know that some of you are struggling mentally. Some of you are struggling with defiled thoughts. Some of you are struggling with doubtful thoughts, fearful thoughts. These are not from the Father. These are from Satan. Fiery darts from the enemy. God's not sending you those fiery darts. The Lord's not bringing depression, discouragement, and unbelief. That's Satan. You need to guard your mind. Guard your heart. Close those gates. Don't let the enemy in. Have an active mind. When he comes in, resist him. Don't just take it. Why would you take it? Don't just take it. Fight. And we fight with the Word of God. How many received this message today? I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over your people. I pray over our hearts, which is where our mind flows. I pray that those who have defiled thoughts, that, Lord, that you would wash them in the blood of Jesus right now, that they would repent of meditating on the, the wrong things. I want you to know the Lord is not mad at you. He loves you, but he's grieved. And he wants to help you. The Lord can purify your mind. Maybe you've struggled all your life with defiled thoughts. Listen, the Holy Spirit is greater than the darkness. In the light of his word, his word is the entrance of his word is light. He gives understanding to the simple. Listen, sin will not have dominion over you. David, sin will not have dominion. Iniquity will not have dominion because he loves the word. You fill your life with the word of God. I want you to know your mind will be full of purity. Your mind will be full of faith. As you get in prayer with an open Bible and an open heart and you spend time in prayer, your, your decision making will become sharp and keen. Those fearful thoughts that torment you like demons, like hounds of hell, you're going to conquer those when, God, when you allow the Lord to give you a sound mind through His Spirit and through His Word. We take authority over every satanic onslaught against your people. I pray that you would help us to put the helmet of salvation on. Lord, I pray that we would have an active mind. Because, Lord, a mind in neutral is a mind the enemy can just feel. A mind in neutral is a, is a, is a mind that the enemy can just fire darts at. But Lord, give us a strong mind. Give us a strong mind, a mind that's active, a mind when the enemy fires a dart like he did at Jesus, that we say, the scripture says, and let us meditate on your word day and night. Let us be strong in your word. Let us think about it. Let us fill our thoughts that it may govern our actions. I pray today, Lord, that you would let your people have freedom in their thoughts. Holy Spirit, Thank you today. Now I want you to lift your hands for another moment. Just just thank you for his mind. Lord, I want your mind. Just tell him, Lord, I want your mind. I want to think your thoughts. 
I want to see people the way you see people. I want to see my world the way you see the world. I want to make the decisions that you want me to make. I don't want to make a misstep. I don't want to make a, a, a mistake where I harm my family or my life. So, Lord, give us wisdom today. You said in James that you give wisdom. You give wisdom to those who ask without upbraiding them. Lord, we ask you for wisdom for our families, our finances, our physical health. Give us wisdom in our congregation. Lord, give our, give our elder board wisdom along with this servant of the Lord. And Lord, help us to lead this church to victory. In every decision, Lord, let it be, let it be keen and let it be sharp and decisive that we can know your voice. And for this we thank you. For this we love you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, church, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you and lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord give you his peace. In Jesus' name. I love you, church.